You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Turn with me in your Bibles. Psalm 145. I just am so, so, I, so happy about what God did at Encounter. And um, I just kind of feel like I'm living in an afterglow of all that God's doing. And I uh, love you guys. And it was exciting just to see what, what he did, what he continues to do. And um, even that verse that we threw up at the end there, 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's continue to pray that. Let's continue to pray that he will sanctify us that we will live that, and uh, that that process will continue in each one of us. Amen? Amen. All right, we're uh, done with our series on overcoming, and we're going to start on uh, knowing the depths of God, Psalm 145, and um, I'm going to read the verse, and then we'll pray. I I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. And here's the phrase we're going to focus on tonight. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I, I will meditate on your wonderful works. Father, we love you tonight. God, we want to be people, Lord Jesus, that cannot fathom your greatness. We want to be people that meditate on your greatness. We as the furnace tonight, we just commit our lives to being true meditators, to be people that are being wowed by the splendor and the majesty of Jesus. And God, I ask, Lord God, that there would be a greater enthrallment, a greater fascination, a greater understanding of how vast and how big and how awesome and how deep and how incredible is your love and your truth, your judgments, the fact that you are king, the way that you reign. God, I just pray that our, our whole souls would be consumed with God. We want to be people that enjoy meditating on the power of God. We want to be people that enjoy thinking about the vastness and the depth of your love. God, we just want to be consumed with God. We love you and we trust you. Amen. When David here says uh, that no one can fathom his greatness, he's not saying that it's unavailable. He's not saying, hey, no one can fathom it, and so you might as well give up. But the essence of what that is, is that you may meditate a bunch, but you'll never be able, you'll never be able to drink in the depth of how big and how awesome he is. We can't fathom it. We can't grasp it. God's created within you a greater thirst in your heart, a massive thirst in your heart that is far greater than asking the question, what's my calling? It seems to me like so many of us the question that we're consumed with is, thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Now, what's my calling? Thank you, God, that you saved me. Thank you that I have the Bible. Now, what's my calling? What do I do? And there's thousands and thousands of books on it. There's lots of sermons on it. There's lots of classes on it. And to find out your gifting, your calling. And I love that. And obviously, it's a part of who we are. But I want us to dial back a little bit. And I want to tell you that you have a greater thirst in your heart than the question What's my calling? Your calling will not feed the depths of what your heart craves. 
Your calling is good and your calling is great and it will, uh, you will find purpose and there will be great joy in the journey by virtue of connecting with your calling. I'm not downplaying its existence. All of us want to know our calling without a doubt. The problem is, is when we quickly skip over meditating on the vast magnitude, the greatness of God to where we are overwhelmed and consumed with God. I want to ask another question tonight, and that's bigger than what's my calling. Post, thank you for the cross. Post, thank you for your word. Post, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Post, thank you for starting the church. Post, thank you for the, you know, that. There is a question that we live in today with the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the word of God. It's bigger than what is my calling. It's why do I exist? You got to connect with why do I exist before you can connect with what is my calling. Because if you do what is my calling without really getting why you exist, you won't last for 80, 90, 100 years. You'll last for five, six, seven, maybe 10. Maybe if you're really zealous, 15 or 20. But it's our desire to have the Psalm 71 in our heart and our life that we say at the end of our lives. I've sought you all the days of my life. I've known you, I've encountered you. Now... So much time has been spent meditating on the wonders of who you are that I can literally declare to the next generation how awesome you are. But to get that, we have to, and you know it well. It's the Philippians 3. Paul says it. We have to know Christ. We want to know him. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about uh, the knowledge of God. and just, just kind of reminding us of why we exist, to know him. We've spent a number of weeks talking about overcoming sin and overcoming. And those are powerful things. Now I want to kind of, I just want us to kind of turn into kind of ravished, wow, isn't God big people for a while. Just kind of, whoa, he's awesome for a while. I think in the wake of what we've been going through as a church, we, we needed within us the conviction that we can overcome. We needed the conviction that we can be strong in the midst of hard times. But the question that, that burns within us, that needs to burn within us, is this question, why do I exist? Why am I here? Jesus says in John 17, 3, those of you that are familiar with the high priestly prayer, you know this one really well, but Jesus says, uh, let me just read it to you. Let's go to John 17. Rather than just quoting it, let's just get the whole verse 1 through 3 so that you see it. Jesus praying to the Father. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you the only God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So here's Jesus and Jesus prays the prayer. Father, I desire that they might know you. The desire of Christ as he prays to the Father is that you and I would know the Father, that we would know Christ, that we would know God. And as we've said before, the very nature of the fact that he prays it means that there will be a remnant of people that actually know him. Jesus' prayer does not go unanswered. Therefore, you have a capacity and you have the invitation to know God in a powerful way. And not only is invitation made, but actually by doing that, there is a fulfillment of Christ's prayer demonstrated in your life. And when you press in to know God, You're pressing into the very prayer that Jesus prayed. 
And this ultimately is the reason for your existence. It's to know God. The purpose, the reason why you live. Far more than being the missionary, far more than being the mom, far more than your calling to preach to thousands, far more than your calling to be rich and famous for Jesus' sake, far more than your calling to be Tom Cruise for the glory of God. It's why you exist. What is it that you might know him? You were born, but you will not ever die. Your body will die. But your heart, your life, you will live on. And in eternity, the very core of the reason why you exist is to know him. Is to be his bride. To sit at his table. To rule and reign with him. And knowing Christ is the essence of the goal of your life. It is. And in the midst of thousands of options where your goals could be to pursue higher education, to have the greatest family that's ever been had, to marry the greatest woman that's ever been born, to, to, or, yeah, to whatever it might be. (laughs) Far beyond those things, your first goal, I want to know Christ. That's it. That's the best thing that you can do with your life. For time's sake and eternity's sake. It's not just, well, for the nature of who you're going to be in eternity, you need to know Christ now. No, it is actually the best way to live while on planet Earth. That's why, and I'm not big on slamming worship songs. I'm really big on joking about children's songs. I don't like to like slam people's songs because I'm afraid it's going to get back to them one day. But there's a song that, 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 that really bugs me that sometimes we sing. And I'm just going to be vulnerable for a minute. And I know it's probably some of y'all's life song and you've encountered God in this song and this song is like your favorite one and you know this author and the person that sang it and somehow this is going to destroy your worship experience next time we, you know, sing together. But there's a song that we sing a lot that's going, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I don't know. Do you know that song? We sing it a lot in worship songs. Oh, it's going to be worth it. And it's just, in the nature of it, it, I've sang it in church, and it's just, every time I sing it, I just think, oh. Every time we sing it, I just go, I don't even want to sing this song, because I don't want the way that I look at eternity is to grit my teeth on planet Earth and, and go, oh man, one day it's going to be worth it, because, you know, we're going to have golden rollerblades, and it's going to be worth it one day. I just, I just can't. And friends, I don't care, I don't care what the depth of the suffering that we may experience on earth. And I know it's easy for me to say that because our lives are so easy and comfortable here. But even when you look at people that have been tortured, even when you look at Stephen being stoned, there's a, there's a glory about, I, I know, I'm, I'm staring at heaven in the midst of the stoning. When you look at Corey Ten Boom and all that she, went, that she went through, she's not saying, oh, it's going to be worth it. She's got a glory within her heart of Christ that can't be taken from her. You know, everything can be taken from you in terms of the material things. Your money can be taken from you. Your family may be taken from you. Your job may be taken from you. Your education may be of no value because the school that you went to no longer exists. But anyway, and uh, there, 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 there may be some of those things. But you know what can never be taken No man can ever rob you of the encounter 
that you have in God. You can be in a cell with no food, with no clothes, with no friends, with no dignity, and your heart can be fully alive. You can be suffering, no matter what it might be, on the other side of the world, being a missionary, with no success in ministry, with no friends, all alone. And no one can take from you that you know him. You may not even have a Bible. Or better yet, you may not have a treo with the Bible on it. But you can have a heart fully alive because you're encountering him and you know him. And that's what Jesus' prayer was, that we might know Christ. That you and I, that we would know him. That we would know God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read it together. It's an incredible, incredible idea. Paul speaking here, and I love starting in verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's good news. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Oh, wait a minute. Usually we stop at verse nine and go, oh man, we can't even fathom what he has for those who love us. I've done that. I've preached whole sermons and stopped on verse nine. You can't fathom what he has for those who love you. I I mean, that was the message last night at TAG. You can't fathom it. But keep going. Look at this. It gets better. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches out all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? If the same, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. He has not received this, uh, we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God. Why? That we may understand what God has freely given us. It, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit loves to do is to reveal God to your heart. <laughs> That's a good way to live. Oh, there is no, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, no mind can comprehend the depths of his love, but God delights in the Holy Spirit revealing it to human people. It's available to us if we'll search it out. You can be enthralled by God. You can be captured in knowing him. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals it to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you God. God revealing God to the human heart. That's what causes the heart to burn. Preaching to 10,000 doesn't cause your heart to burn. Trust me. God, by his grace, over the last number of years, I've gotten to preach to quite a few people. Never, never does it cause my heart to burn like the moment where suddenly I see something in the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, the living word, illuminates something in the written word and I go, that's, that's where the glory is at. That I might know him. That I might fulfill the very prayer of Christ in John 17. David, I know that I should feel desperate for God. I know that I should desire that. 
Um, and when you say those things, there's a part of me that connects because I agree with it in theory, but when it comes to applying that into my daily life, this is just like nice, you know, water under the bridge that realistically, I don't know how I'll do anything different when I leave here tonight. Because I'm not necessarily changing my life because I'm desperate. Because the truth is, is what I'm waiting for is to experience God in such a way that I become desperate. And once I experience him in that way, then, then I'll live my life differently. Then I'll live differently. That's an error in thinking. Psalm 63, let's read it. Psalm chapter 63. Hmm. I love you guys. I, I just feel, especially after this weekend, I just feel like marvelous comrades. I feel like Wallace in the gathering of the clans. It's just a great night. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Sometimes we look at this and we go, man, yeah, I wish that were true of me. Oh God, you are my God. Got that part. Earnestly, I seek you. Mm, Let's take out earnestly and I'll go with I seek you. My soul thirsts. Yow, that's a little strong. Let's go maybe uh, my soul occasionally desires you. My body, what? My body doesn't connect at all there. In a dry and weary land? Not really. I mean, geez, life's pretty good. Where there is no water? Pfft, got more water than I know what to do with. Let me, let me kind of tell you something here. The journey doesn't go hoping that God will someday invade your life and that once, once you've encountered him, then you'll have desire. Once you've, encounter, once you've encountered him, then... Okay, let's, can we switch microphones here? Can someone bring me a wireless? It's not, the, the idea is not that uh, you'll, you'll experience him, and once you experience him, then you're going to have this rush of desire. It's, that's not it. Actually, what it is, is if you look at this, and you don't connect with a dry and weary land, then you've missed a step. Because this, if, if we take pleasure in the planet, if we take pleasure in the planet, it means that we're not taking the full measure of what's available in the pleasure of God. And so where we have to be is, is where we look at this and we go, okay, I'm going to pull back and I'm going to intentionally I'm going to intentionally uh, disrupt some of my comfort. And when I, when I intentionally pull back and disrupt my comfort, then there becomes the great need to encounter God. 
And, th- and at that point, then because I so need him, and I voluntarily went without some things, then there's the God encounter. And then post the God encounter, then there's the, oh, and I love you, I love you, I love you, I desire you, I desire you. And now I'm, I'm r- willing and ready to give up this thing that superseded it. Oh, thank you. Let's switch. Uh, talk to your neighbor about how your soul thirsts for God. Okay, you're done. It's, um, it's hard for us to feast on God if, if, we don't really, if we're not really hungry. And the nature of, um, of what we need is, is we have to truly be hungry in order to feast on Him. But when we fill our lives with so many other things... That God gets a sliver of our time, or God gets a sliver of our hunger, then the ferociousness of which you pursue Him will be diminished. Let me put it in illustration this way: I, I at Christmas time um, last Christmas, uh, I was with my family, and uh, Renata and I were, and, our, uh, and Dawson were staying somewhere else, and we were going over to. Um, my sister and her husband's house uh, that morning, and it was Christmas time. It was, I think, I don't remember if it was before or after Christmas, but it, it wasn't actually Christmas Day. It was like before or after, and, and uh, we're driving, and uh, the only word was, be here at, you know, 9 a.m., and so we're driving, and we're thinking, hey, we're really hungry, and so let's go ahead and grab breakfast on the way, but we're late, so we need to get a quick breakfast. And so when you need a quick breakfast at 9 o'clock when you're on the road and you're traveling, you always go to McDonald's. All right. And so, and so you go and get a McDonald's breakfast. And well, that morning, I got like the massive one. It was like, sweet, it's Christmas time. Let's enjoy the holidays. Here we go. And so I got like this massive, massive McDonald's breakfast. And, and so uh, we get, we get uh, to their house. And I didn't realize this, but my sister's husband... Uh, his like family tradition, like for years, was this massive, uh, like Christmas breakfast that was like waffles with ice cream, with yogurt, with sausage and eggs, and it was like this massive like contortion, and it was like ice cream on waffles. It was this, it was bizarre, and it was amazing. It was like so good, but I was so full that I didn't eat any of it. I was so, so I, I could not, because why? <laughs> I mean, come on now, Egg McMuffin, three of them. And so, you know, you're good to go. Well, sometimes what we do is when we, when we fill our lives, um, and we fill our lives with so many different things, and you fill your life with a lot of good church stuff, you fill your life with a lot of education stuff, you fill your life with a pretty good job, you fill your life with a boyfriend or girlfriend, you fill your life with at least three different websites that require you to go there every day. Um, you fill your life with uh, making sure that you're fashionable. You know, you got to look good. And so you got to do at least your every six month shopping or some of you, it's more than that. You got you to, and, and, and there's all these, these, all these things that we got to, that we got And what I'm telling you is, is that I believe, I believe that in order to really hunger and thirst, 
there is this part where you become a stranger and alien, not just because of holiness, in addition to holiness, because you don't have time to do the things that other people have time to do. And it's in, it's in the waiting on God. It's in the waiting on God in the midst of not keeping up with all the websites and the TV shows and the movies. It's in the waiting on God in those things that people will say, hey, you're not culturally relevant. And that argument has been so used to keep the church dead and powerless. I am 100% for being as cool as possible in order to preach the gospel. That's why I wear a collared shirt over a really over a t-shirt and it makes no sense. That's where I, that's why I wear I bought these jeans with holes in them. You know? That's strange. That's why I have hair coming over my ears. All right? It's a desperate attempt to try to stay cool. But it, I want to tell you this. There are some elements of my life and there's some elements of your life by virtue of being in the furnace only that you're not able to keep up with some other things. In order, not necessarily because you're so starving for God because you've tasted him yet, but because you're so anticipating the next encounter. But because your soul, you're so starving yourself in a dry and weary land that actually the land that's full of opportunity, the land that's full of the pursuit of happiness is dry and weary compared to where your heart is going in God. It is. It's dry and weary. Because of what you know is available from God. And rather than nourishing your soul on the planet, you're willing to nourish it and feast on God. Yet again, I say that's why we have all these prayer meetings. You're just saying, I'm going to get rid of it. But I tell you, this, this is like the furnace is just the beginning. Like the furnace, if you go to Baskin Robbins, and you ask for a taste test, and you get the little tiny pink spoon, there's like the massive banana split available, and the furnace is the smallest taste test. We haven't even scratched the very beginning of what's available. We like to brag about it because we think we pray a lot, and so we pray, we read books, we read the Bible, we talk about fasting. We're, yay, the deep things of God. You know, can you imagine we're reading 1 Corinthians 2 and we're going, we're, Holy Spirit's searching out the deep things. He's going to reveal it to me. Oh, I got a revelation. What's your revelation? He loves me. <laughs> He's like, there is so many levels deeper than that. I'm like, no, but I got it on a deep level. I got it like, I got like three images in my God time. It's deep. And God's going, that's, that's not deep. That, that, that's not deep, brother. That's like, that's like the, the puddle when you step off the curb outside the tent and I have the Pacific Ocean available and you're like diving off the curb into a puddle. And I have the high dive diving into the ocean. Brother, you are not deep. You know? I imagine angels in here and they're looking at us and we're going, oh, we're searching out the deep things. Aren't we doing it? And they're like, Michael, try not to laugh. Gabriel, don't snicker. The, those cute little 20-year-old furnace kids, they think they're deep. They're not deep. I mean, can you imagine if, if the seraphims could lean over and see what we think is deep? I mean, they spent an eternity beholding God and they never, ever fully comprehend how vast he is. They're going to do it forever and ever. <laughs> You know, the, 
the, the, the elders around the throne. I mean, you got like the choirs singing in heaven about the, the, the magnitude of who God is. And we're over here going, dude, I moved from the five-minute devo to an hour with God a day. Woohoo! I'm deep. And they're going, dear me. Where, you, where we need to go is we, we need to get a conviction that says, I'm going to get rid of things that right now seem like foolishness to the world. I want to give you permission to be a nerd. I want to give you permission to be whatever God may call you to be in order to press. You do not have to fulfill what every media outlet is telling you you need to fulfill. You do not have to fulfill what every teacher is telling you to fulfill. You do not have to fulfill what your social group is telling you need to fulfill in order to remain cool. Just, just throw cool out and go, God, what is the specific plan that you have for my life in going deep, in encountering him? And that may mean you may not be able to keep up with all the novels. You may not have seen the whole Lost series. Imagine that. It means, you, it means some of those things you just, you just can't do. And what I'm telling you is that's like phase one before the encounter. All of us are different. All of us are on a different journey. But you know what? I know it not only as individuals, but I believe it as communities. I believe that there is a level that God is doing in the furnace and a level of blessing we have barely tasted the beginning of in terms of uh, experiencing God and in terms of reaching a generation and some of the things that God's called us to. But there's a level of blessing that we're experiencing just because we were willing to pull back and say, we're going to stick to this schedule of radical devotion. And we wish that it was all the encounter, and now radical devotion. But you and I know, you didn't sign up and go, I'm joining the furnace because you had this massive God encounter. The reason why you joined is because you wanted the encounter. Okay, now take that concept and apply it to your personal devotional life. It remains the same. And if you're sitting around waiting for suddenly God to all of a sudden lean over and say, Joseph Bashara, you know, I love thee. Here, swallow these balls of fire and you will be a preacher to the nations. Fire shall be in your belly. Listen, I pray to God that happens to me. Man, I would love to like have visions of swallowing fireballs from heaven. I would love that. You're laughing. That's actually happened. A guy named Phineas F. Brzee. And uh, anyway, and so I, I but, but I know, I know that the way that we get there is by ahead of time saying, I'm going to remove some of the things that there's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with some of those entertainment outlets. There's nothing wrong with looking the coolest. There's nothing wrong with some of you girls that have, you know, like seven colors in your hair and you're like, you got the cool thing happening. There's nothing wrong with you fellas working out. There's not, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying though, is there is a limit of what you have a capacity to do and keep your heart fully alive. You can't keep up. I promise you. And you will, you'll spin your wheels in that rat race and you will end up with a shriveled heart when you're 45. And you'll have a lot of successful things that people will go, way to go. You got the master's degree. 
You got the great family. You got a big bank account. Your Roth IRA is full, but your heart's dead. And you're standing before God and you've only got 30 years left on the planet. And you're going, no way. I wanted Psalm 71 over my life. I wanted, I've sought you since the days of my youth. But that, this rat race, the easiest time, the easiest time to connect with God in this way is the age you're at right now. It does not get easier. No, 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 no. Surely when I'm working nine to five and I'm making $100,000 a year driving my Beamer, life will get easier. Wrong. It's not true. Now is your hour. And if you'll get it locked in in the disciplines now, then when you're really old, I mean old, like Joe Couch, me, and you're old, it'll be a discipline. When you're Pete's age, you'll stand up here and pray like this. You know why? Because it's a discipline and there's a hunger. I don't want you guys to walk out of here and go, mm, cool, got the ring, I'm done. Call me a spiritual success, baby. I got wore a flaming F on a t-shirt for a year, got a ring, I'm gone. And I got the glory of God all over me. Oh no, man, this is just like, here, peer down this hallway and you got a whole lifetime to go for it. This is just opening up the door and saying, there's the hallway, now run. This is the beginning of the beginning. I want to encourage you that over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about some of the, some of the character of God, some of just the knowledge of God. And sometimes, you know, I've heard the phrase, um, I want to know him, not just about him. I want to encourage you to know him. And because you know him, you know about him. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of us that we don't know him and we don't know about him, you know, but, but if, if you really, if you really do know him and, and, and you guys have already set your heart on that then you don't resist hearing about him. You don't risk theology. You don't, risk, you don't uh, resist talking about God because, oh, I just want to know him. I don't want to talk. No. Instead, you go, because I know him, I want to fill my mind with as much of him as possible. And because you know him, as an overflow of knowing him, you want to get your PhD in God. You want to know him, you know? I, I'll say, it to, I know I know Renata far better than any of you. You guys know her. You know her name. Some, some of you ladies, especially you leaders, you know her well. All right. But because I, know, because I know her so well, I have a lot of knowledge about her. I can tell you about cars that she's had, cars that she's wrecked. I can, I can tell you about how great of a mom she is. I can tell you about her favorite colors. And her, I can tell I, I could, I mean, literally you could ask me questions and I could answer questions for a long time about her, all right? But that wasn't because I, um, you know, just kind of started to study her and knew about her. It's because of the overflow of knowing her. There's a whole lot of knowledge there. Does that make sense? And over the next few weeks, I want to talk about the knowledge of God. I want to talk about some of the knowledge of him. And what I'm building on is the prerequisite that you already have a ferocious hunger that says, I want to know Christ. But what I want to do is, is I want to take that and I want to build on that and not spend the whole time getting you to get there. I think you're there. I believe we're all there. You, to make it this far in the semester, in the year that we've had at New Life Church, I think you're there. But where we want to go is, all right, building upon that, let's get our PhD in God. Let's just talk about him. Let's just, let's just spend a few weeks talking about the magnitude of who he is. 
You're all in the midst of the knowledge of the holy. You're all in the midst of reading just more and more about God. Let's fill our whole soul with the knowledge of God. Let's take some weeks and let's not be as motivational and let's not talk about some of the practicals. Let's just come and spread a smorgasbord of the knowledge of God. And let's talk. Let's talk about his forgiveness. Let's talk about his kindness. Let's talk about his judgments. Let's talk about God, just who he is. Let's just spend some time just, just talking about how awesome he is. I just, you guys know the life song or life house, the life house song that goes, I have memorized all the cute things to say. You know that one? But I'm working on it. Anyway, see, I'm more relevant than you. And um, uh, yes, I know Lifehouse and uh, I know about blunts. And so, right? <laughs> My brother taught me about that one. Um, but <clears throat> but where we, we want to go is we want to go beyond just memorizing the cute things to say, you know, the memorized answers so that so that when it comes time and you're sitting at Red Robin, you're hanging with your friends or you're in your accountability group, there's this ocean inside of you. And it's just like, you know what? Let's just, let's just talk about it. The other day I was with uh, Jeremiah Parks and we were at Starbucks and um, we actually set up a meeting and we said, we're not gonna talk about anything ministerial. We're not gonna talk about, you know, furnace. We're not gonna talk about desperation. We're not gonna talk about tag. We're not gonna talk about burn. We're not gonna talk about all these things. He and I are very like-hearted in, you know, some of the things that we like to talk about in ministry. But the real reason why we're like-hearted in ministry is because we're so like-hearted in liking to just feast on God. So what we did is we said, we're just gonna schedule an hour and all we're gonna do is just talk about our father. And I'll never forget, we, he, he sat down and he, he sat a cup of coffee and he goes, let's talk about our father. It's the greatest hour. I'm still talking about it. It's a long time ago. I've blogged about it. I'm so excited about it. Why? That's going to feed your soul. And you want relationships like that. You want your accountability group to get a little bit beyond. So you need to really stop making out with that boy. He's just... <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was an exciting expression. Uh, <laughs> and, and get to where, man, all that stuff's dealt with. All that stuff's dealt with. And now we're just like, dude, let's just, let's just talk about our father. Let's just talk about, let's talk about his kindness. Well, and just verses start flowing. Stories start flowing. Dreams. Oh, I said it. Dreams start flowing. It's just part of who we are. We're people that believe that our whole soul can be consumed in God. So it's our favorite topic. I've had people where we sit down and kind of take that direction. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but where the response is, don't be so spiritual. Let's just, dude, come on, man. That's like, let's just, come on. Let's just be us for a minute. And I go, no, that, that's what being us is supposed to be. Being us is not, oh, let's just sit around and let's just talk about money and football. No, that's less me. That's less of me than our whole soul is consumed in God. That's more, really? That's what, and if it's not, it's where I want to be. And so the nature of this conversation is to make me who I want to be rather than pulling me from where my soul really thrives. My heart really lives. 
And so it's just like in that conversation, it's just like what I said earlier. In your conversations, it may not be that me and Kerstetter sit down and the most natural thing is for us to just, well, let's talk about his judgments. Let's talk about his kindness. But because that's what we're committed to, then we say, let's just spend some time talking about that. And it's like, all right then. You have permission. I give you permission to create awkward circumstances in your friendships. To be on the cell phone and... You know, can we just talk about God for a minute? Awkward moment. (laughs) Create it, I dare you. That is who we've committed to be as strangers and aliens on the planet. And when you're talking to another person that says, I'm a stranger and alien on this planet, but really I like to talk about the planet more than I like, like to talk about the king, then we're full of hogwash and we're crazy. You have permission. My dad creates those awkward moments all the time. I mean, all the time. I mean, I'll never forget being in high school and me and Dan and my sisters were on our way to Disneyland and he says, hey guys, let's talk about if God wants us to go to Disneyland. (laughs) Awkward moment. Maybe we should just not go stay in the station wagon and, you know, read our Bible. And you're like, oh! You may not want to be that extreme. However, no, no, just kidding. It's okay. Just say, it's okay to take awkward moments, to make awkward moments and say, let's just, if, if, if what consumes me is what I talk about, why do I talk about everything than the one I claim consumes me? Why do I spend so little time, except for I sing it, you know? That's what C.S. Lewis says. Christians don't tell lies, they sing them, <laughs> you know? Just, that's who we want to be. Would be people you have permission. I mean, imagine, you know, people go on vacation and, you know, you fish for a week or you go to Epcot and Disney World for a week or you, um, you go and you lay on the beach for a week or, you know, or, or you take three days and you watch all six series, six seasons of 24 or you'll take five days to um, try to create 10,000 friends on MySpace or whatever you're trying to do, you know. People will take a good section of time and their whole soul can just get consumed in it for a while. Dude, I'm like so into this, man. I mean, for like three days I've been doing da-da-da-da-da-da. Imagine if we had so much meditation, Psalm 145.5, where we had so meditated on God that we could spend a day. Wait, I'm just lost. I can't fathom. I can't fathom his greatness. I'm just, I can't get it. You're writing down in your journal, man, his mercy, his loving kindness, his truth, his judgments, his favor. He lives forever, eternity, the cross. Whoa, he became a man. Whoa, and you're just... We're going to practice. I want you to take the next two minutes, and I want you just to meditate on God. Don't, don't talk out loud. If you have a journal, you're, you're free to write. But I want you, Psalm 145.5, let me read it to you, and we'll close with this. Psalm 145.5. I'm going to read it to you again. It's what I opened with. I want you to hear this now again. And we're going to practice it. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. 
They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I, I will meditate on your wonderful works. I want you to meditate on the works of God, the power of God, the spirit of God, the life of God. You can write it. You can think. You can pray however you want to do it. But for the next two minutes, I want you to just meditate on God. Let your whole soul just feast on it for a couple minutes. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.